0: Well, welcome to Grace. Isn't this awesome? I, I love it when there, we do baptisms, and I love it, love it, love it. So it's just fun to witness, it's fun to be a part of. But welcome, and everybody watching online, thank you for being here also, and welcome. Uh, my name's Jeff. If we haven't got to meet before, I, I'd love to, to connect with you and say hi. Uh, but we have been in a series here these last few weeks called Why It Matters. And, uh, and we've been talking about some of the, like, baseline things of following Jesus. So uh, these conversations, if you grew up in church, uh, we're talking about things that you've probably done like a gazillion times uh, just because you did it and maybe didn't know why or what the thinking was behind it. And so we're talking about that. If you're new to your relationship with Jesus, which a bunch of us are here at Grace, uh, then you're probably trying to make these things like habits in your life or return to these habits in your life. And if you're not a follower of Jesus yet and the whole church thing is new, uh, this is just explaining why Christians do weird stuff. And so uh, all of that is kind of stuff that we wanna look at and say, why would God want us? Why is he so clear about this in scripture? And, uh, and why is it important to him? So we started a couple weeks ago just talking about, like, why do we go to church? Like, why would we gather on a regular basis and, and do kind of this and be in church together? And then last weekend, we talked about why do we serve? Like, why is serving a part of the, of the culture or the ethos of, of being a Christian? And why does that matter to God? And those are online, on the, on the website, on the app, on the podcast. And uh, maybe worth a listen for you. This weekend, I want to talk to you about the idea of evangelism and why do we do evangelism and why is that important to God? And since it's important to God, how come that would be important to us? So this is kind of the, the path I'm going to take a little bit. Uh, I'm going to walk you through what's it mean to evangelize or do evangelism? What's God even talking about with it? And then we're going to talk about how it's clearly one of the directives of Scripture. And we're going to talk about how it's personal and how it's corporate. And then the last thing that we're going to talk about is how to do it. And I bet you how to do it's going to shock you a little bit as we talk that through and see how God would want us to do it. Okay, so let's jump into this a little bit. Why why evangelism? What's it even mean? Why does it matter to God? So we'll start with what it means. Evangelism means this. This is like the definition of it. Evangelism is the public and unambiguous announcement of the gospel. And let's define gospel real quick. The gospel is the good news of the redemption and salvation that, that comes only through Jesus Christ. So evangelism or to evangelize means that I publicly and unambiguously or clearly communicate verbally through music, through art maybe, but I publicly, unambiguously or clearly proclaim the good news of Jesus's redemption, his forgiveness of our sin, and our salvation, that he would adopt me and make me a child of God, right? So evangelism, that's what that is. So I just want to like kind of Clearly state, like evangelism, is not the Christian life. So this is not me. Like I stop smoking, drinking, chewing, dating girls who do chair for Michigan and stuff. It's not moralism. Uh, evangelism is, is not being nice. It's not service, right? So service might lead to evangelism, but helping someone, care for some, someone, that's not evangelism. Evangelism is not religion. So uh, it's not me going to church or me being like identified as a Christian as opposed to like a, a Buddhist or whatever. So that, that's not evangelism. Evangelism is the public and unambiguous announcement of the gospel or the good news that Jesus loves us. I need him and he gave his life and rose again for me to provide salvation for me. And me announcing that or making that clear and doing that intentionally that is what evangelism is, right? Now, for some of us, we're like, got it. For others of us, we're like, "Ah, oh, I hate this part. I, you know, if I would have known he was going to speak on this, I would have mowed my grass. Like, like we, we would look and say, I, I don't like these kind of conversations because one of the things that's tough about Christianity, especially in our day and age, so in, in our day and age, it's actually very offensive that you would look at someone else and say, what I believe is true and what you believe is untrue. That would be very offensive in our day and age, and I get all that. It would be doubly offensive to say, what you believe is untrue and I wanna try to get you to believe what I believe. But at the core of Christianity, Christianity is by its nature a proselytizing faith. I'm just putting it out there, right? So if you're like, what's he talking about? I'm like, I'm talking about that. It's a proselytizing faith. We as Christians, the church and personally as Christians, we publicly, unambiguously announce the gospel. Like we make Jesus known and we want you to know who he is. And just, so I'll just like own it. As a Christ follower, then I look and say, if you're a Muslim or a Mormon or a a Buddhist or Hindu, I don't want you to be that. I want you to know who Jesus is, and I want you to be a follower of Jesus Christ, right? So I had one time somebody say to me, they said, you're sneaky over there at Grace. I'm like, why? because like, you're always getting people to be christians i'm like i don't think we're sneaky about it though i, I mean i I, mean, I think we're pretty straight up about it and i'm like you're right you got me you know and, and but i'm like that's the thing right and and we would be really really open about that and we're going to practice that and the practice of that is tied to this idea of evangelism. Now. Why do we do that? That's what it is. Why do we do it? Well, one of the biggest reasons we do it is because it's crystal clear in the Bible that that's what God wants us to do. So when you read the Bible, New Testament, even the Old Testament, God would look at his people and he would say, I want you, one way or another, he's going to say, I want you to publicly, unambiguously make me known to the world that I love people and that I alone, my son, Jesus alone, is the sole source of salvation. And you can run all through the scripture and that's, that's I would barely call that a partial list, what I have in your notes there. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of passages. And, and that's the, like the easy peasy stuff. So when you're looking at the Bible, you would look at the Bible and there's certain things that the Bible is like super clear on, right? So super clear that God is the one true God, super clear that Jesus is his son, uh, super clear that Christians are to be known by our love for each other, super clear that we are to evangelize. Easy peasy, can't miss it if you read the book, and so it's right there on top. So we would say this public, unambiguous proclamation of the redemption and salvation of Jesus Christ, and that and that that's all through the Scripture and God's people do that is right there, and you can't escape it. And then we would also look then as Christ followers looking at the Bible, and we would look and say that directive is public or it's corporate. And it's personal, right? So it is the job of the church to evangelize. Like, So Grace Church is going to do all kinds of things to publicly and unambiguously make Jesus make sense. We're going to have camps. We're going to talk about Jesus in services. We're going to start other churches. We're going to send missionaries. Like that, We're going to be all about that. But it's not just like something that we do. It's something that... God, if you're a follower of his, would have you do, right? So the directive to evangelize is individual, and it's directed at individual Christ followers. One of the examples of this would be 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul, the apostle Paul, is talking to Timothy. So he's talking to the individual Timothy. There's other places, and we'll see here in a little bit, Jesus and others will talk to the church. But this is the individual. And Paul says, Tim, there's the deal. Keep your head in all situations, during hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Right. So we would look and say that evangelism, the public, unambiguous proclamation of of the redemption and the salvation of Jesus Christ, is right there in the Bible, like easy on top, easy peasy. It applies to the church. The church does not exist for the sake of the church. It exists for the sake of the world. So we can proclaim the good news of Jesus. And then it's something that I would own personally as a follower of Jesus Christ. I would do the work of an evangelist. I, I would, I would um, uh, proclaim Christ as if Christ himself were making his appeal through me, on and on and on and on and on, all right? So it, it's right there. And it's, it's why it's woven into the fabric of what we would call Christianity because it comes right out of the book and it's a clear directive all through the Bible and into the New Testament specifically to the church and then personal evangelism me making Jesus make sense publicly unambiguously is is a thing okay now why 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 is that important to God and why, why is that his plan, right? Why doesn't God just write something in the clouds? Uh, why doesn't he just show up to each of us individually? God is omnipresent, so he could just be like, you know, let's pause the Browns game. You need to, aven-. like, like wh- why, does he, why, why does he do it this way? I don't know all of those reasons, right? So I don't know why God's plan is to take his perfect message and to bring it through imperfect people. If I was God, I'd tweak that. Because it's the the imperfect people are usually the ones that mess the message up, right? And it's where our complaints come from. But I've talked to God about it. He didn't take my meeting, so I I don't know, right? So that's his plan, and it's clear throughout the book. But why is it clear that he is announced publicly and is announced unambiguously, right? This is what I would say. The reason why this is important to God and the reason why it's, it's important to us is because of this. Because it's the nature of God to proclaim the gospel publicly and unambiguously, okay? Let's think about this for a second. So it's the nature of God to be compassionate, so we're compassionate. It's the nature of God to be forgiving, so we're forgiving. It's the nature of God to evangelize. So we evangelize, right? When God wanted salvation and redemption to be made, to be brought to the world, in the Old Testament, and we'll kind of not, we'll kind of talk about that maybe another time, but then you get into the New Testament, when he wanted himself to be made known clearly, he did that publicly and he did that unambiguously in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. So when Jesus showed up on the planet, that happened publicly. There was a star, there were angels, there was a choir, there was a donkey, there were shepherds. Like, that whole thing happened on a, on a cosmic, big-time scale. He was announcing, he was proclaiming the gospel, when salvation was purchased for us through his son Jesus, that was public. Jesus was arrested publicly. He was tried publicly. He was crucified publicly. The whole city, now the whole planet knows about that. So he was public about that. And he was unambiguous. When Jesus was baptized, he was like, this is my son, this guy. And I'm pleased with him and salvation is found in him. Jesus was unambiguous. He's like, I'm my father's son and I am the way, the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the father unless they come through me. So when God was making himself make sense through Jesus, he was doing that on a very, very public and unambiguous level so that we knew about the redemption and salvation offered in Christ. Probably the most famous verse in the world is John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life for uh, John 3, then 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Public. God gave his son. His name is Jesus. He gave his life so you can believe. Unambiguous. He didn't come to condemn you. He loves you. He came to save you. I don't want you to be mixed up about it. And it's the nature of God, see, that that he would evangelize in those ways. Okay? So the public, the unambiguous proclamation of the gospel. It's Jesus, who he is. He loves us. We need him. We're sinners. He died for us. He rose again. He paid for our sins. If we accept salvation, our sins are forgiven as power comes into life. Public, unambiguous. All through the Bible. Easy peasy. Like, cannot read it and not see evangelism in there. Directed to the church. And to individual, and we'd lock on to that like we would lock into love, like we would lock into truth, like we would lock into justice. Those are the nature of God. Evangelism is the nature of God. Okay? So I lay all that down so that we're clear and so that we have an understanding because we've had, you know, I'm, I'm sure if you've been around the church or you've been around somebody that's uh, talked about evangelism, we have different understandings, but I want that to be like the understanding we're, we're working off of. Okay, Now, here's where we all get tense. We all get tense when we start talking about, well, how do you do that? right? How do you do that? Like, I, can, I understand the definitions. I really can't argue that it's in the Bible. I get the nature of God thing. I know it's for the church, and I'll even accept some responsibility for myself. But do I have to do it the way that I see people do it? Because when we talk about evangelism, many people, if not most, have had some kind of negative experience with somebody evangelizing or trying to evangelize you, right? And you see it, and you're a Christian, and you know what they're doing, and you try to sneak away, and you're like, I just join this Buddhist thing over here. Like I don't, I don't want to be associated with it. And I'm the same way. I was at a football game one time. I was walking through this pre-game thing. Guy popped up in my face with a megaphone. He's like, "You are going to go to hell." I'm like, "I'm trying to get nachos." Like I'm like, "This is not on my mind." I'm pretty secure my salvation. If You could leave me alone. It's miserable. Years ago, I was at a conference in Chicago and I was teaching at this conference. And uh, there was another conference in town. I happened to know about it. And it was a bunch of teenagers and they were teaching them to do evangelism. And I went out to get a hamburger at this restaurant. And I sat down by these kids and these kids started practicing all their evangelism techniques on me. And I'm like, I'm just trying to eat a hamburger. So I started messing with them because I knew the answers. I I knew how to disprove what they were saying and and it was fun, some of them maybe don't believe in God anymore, but but like it was a, it was, a, it, was a, it was entertaining I, let me just say that, but I'm just like ugh, I, I don't want to be attacked, I don't want to be multi level marketed I don't want to be screamed at. I think your bumper sticker's probably dumb like i don't i don't I don't like any of that stuff and when we think about evangelism we think about that you know uh, sometimes people are good at stuff that people have got when i was growing up we used to go door to door and we'd knock on the door and you open the door we're like hey we like to talk to you about a personal relationship with jesus christ and, and like the thought of like doing that like is horrible now some people are doing are good at that i had a boy scout knock on my door last night and i spent 30 bucks on microwave popcorn. I'm like, you, you have a gift, my child, you know? But, but we're like we think about that stuff and we're like, I don't want to do that stuff. So the how is, is where we tense up. It's not really the what, it's not really, that. it's clear. Like if you're a Christian, this needs to be part of your life. But how do you pull that off like in, in real time, okay? So let, let's talk about this for a minute. It's kind of the elephant in the room. And let, let me see if I, can, if I can help you with it. Because the how, I think it'll surprise you maybe what I, what I want to show you, okay? So let me start with Jesus. So John 15, Jesus is describing himself. He's using this metaphor, this word picture, and he calls himself a vine. And then he says his followers are the branches. So in John 15, uh, verse five, he says that. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So this is like a metaphor Jesus is using. He's like, if you're thinking about the Christian life, following me, what it means, think this way. I'm the vine, you're the branch. If the branch is connected to the vine, if you remain in me and I in you, the outcome of that is going to be fruit. And for the sake of our conversation, it's going to be evangelism. If the vine is a grapevine, the branch is going to be a grapevine branch and the fruit is going to be a grape. If the vine is an apple tree, the the branch is going to be an apple tree branch and the fruit is going to be apples. So Jesus is like, if you're connected to me and I'm connected to you, you're going to bear fruit, but apart from me, you can't do that. If you take that vine off and throw it on the ground, or that branch off, throw it on the ground, it's not connected to the fruit, to the the vine, there's no fruit that's going to happen. So he says that in verse five. Then he says this in verse seven. He says, if you remain in me, my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciple. So he's like, there's a vine, there's a branch, there's fruit. If you remain in me, what will happen is you will ask whatever you wish and I will give it to you. That does not mean if you ask for a $65 million jet, you're going to get one. That doesn't mean that if you ask for your hair to grow back, because I think some of you prayed that prayer, like that's not going to, you know what I mean? Like that's not going to happen at all, right? So what that means is this, if I'm a grapevine, if Jesus is a grapevine and I'm a grapevine branch, the DNA of the grapevine is in the branch and I'm going to ask for grapevine things. If I'm connected to Christ and Christ is connected to me, then he's gonna alter what I want. I'm gonna want what he wants. I'm gonna ask for what he would ask for. And when I ask for something that God loves and wants, he's going to give it to me. So when I ask God to help me bear fruit, God's gonna answer that prayer. He's gonna love that prayer. And the Father's gonna be glorified by that, okay? Let's get right around it. So Jesus is a vine, I'm the branch. Right? He's the vine, I'm the branch, and the outcome is fruit. Right? Whatever this vine is, this branch is, and whatever this vine and this branch is, that's the fruit that's going to be produced. It's the natural flow of things, right? And when we think about evangelism, what happens a lot of times is this especially if you grew up in a evangelical church, which Grace Church is, is, right? And it's the church I grew up in. When you grew up in in that and you were talked to or encouraged to do evangelism, what people usually have talked to you about is the fruit. And they would say something like, don't you know that your friends are going to hell? Which is true, if they don't know Christ. Don't you see what's wrong with the world today? People don't know Jesus which is true. Uh, Don't you understand that the problems in the world today, the answer is Jesus, which is true. You need to be involved in the fruit. But when you go back to Scripture, Jesus is like, this is the way that you would want to understand your relationship with me. I'm the vine. You're the branch. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You cannot produce fruit on your own. You do not save anybody. You don't change anybody's life. You don't change anybody's mind. You cannot do this. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And most of the time when we think about how to do evangelism, we think about, well, what do I have to do? Like, do I have to go like hunt my friends down and make them listen to me? And do I, do I, do I go scream at football games? I can tell you that particular option's not real effective. Right? Uh, do, do I have to go door to door? Do I have to have awkward conversations? Like, what, what do I do in order to do evangelism? All right? Now, this is what might be shocking to you. Ready? I would say if you want to be effective at evangelism and you want to see people come to know Jesus that you know and love, what I would suggest you do is stop focusing on the fruit and put a greater focus on your connection to the vine. Jesus says, if you remain in me and I in you, this power of God will work through you. You can't do this, but this is the natural outcome of your relationship with me. That word remain is an interesting remain. The best definition I've ever heard of it, is, it was given by a guy named J.D. Greer. And he said this, He said, to remain in Jesus is to make your home in Jesus. Make my home in Jesus. When I make my home in Jesus, this is what happens. I'm walking away from the things that defined me before I knew Christ. We saw baptism. Baptism symbolizes I died to my old life and I'm resurrected spiritually to a new life. I'm not who I was before I knew Christ. I thought differently. I acted differently. I was motivated differently. I loved differently. I asked for different things in my life. But when I became a a follower of Jesus, another place in the Bible says I was grafted into this vine. I am, at, I am one with Christ, I am not Christ, I'm just one with Christ, I'm tied to him. And what flows through the vine flows through me. And the more that I understand who Christ is, and the more that I understand his love for me, and the more that my mind is changed, and my heart is changed and my desires are changed, the more that I build my home in Him and He flows through me, the more fruit will be produced in my life. Fruit in this scenario is not my problem. I can do nothing apart from Christ. Fruit is the outcome of what Christ wants to produce. My responsibility is to know and to love Jesus. So if you want to be effective at evangelism, this is what I would say, ready? It's a great tattoo, it's a little bit long, it may take up your whole forearm. Here it is, ready? If you want to be effective at evangelism, take your attention off their heart and keep it on yours. Instead of looking and saying what they need, what their problem is, where they're messed up, how they need to be corrected, the sin that they need to be confronted with. You take that attention and you put it on your heart and your relationship with Christ. And as you deepen your relationship with Christ, as you broaden your relationship with Christ, as the power of God flows through you, fruit will be the result. And you will naturally begin to see what Jesus sees. And you will begin to long for what Jesus longs for. And you'll begin to ask God for the things that are close to his heart, not close to yours. And you will see the opportunities and you will see the open doors that God has in front of you as you deepen your relationship with Christ. Now, this is important Because when Jesus talks to us corporately and personally about what he wants us to do while here on earth, he doesn't tell us to go be apologists. He doesn't tell us to be debaters. He doesn't tell us to be arguers. He doesn't tell us to be people who prove other people wrong. He certainly doesn't tell us to be political. He doesn't tell us to win those things. He tells us something very, very different. It's fascinating. After Jesus died and uh, rose again, Uh, The Bible says that when he rose again, he interacted with uh, the 11 remaining disciples minus Judas. He interacted with uh, Mary Magdalene and some other people that are mentioned in the scriptures that were real close with him. And then the Bible says that he wound up personally interacting with about 500 people. So this is 500 people that saw him die. Remember it was public, so like the whole city did. So they saw him die and then they interacted with the resurrected Christ, and then he kind of hung out with them a little bit before he went back to heaven. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the gospels kind of wraps up the the crucifixion resurrection story, and then you get in right into the book of Acts, and the book of Acts talks about what happened uh, between the time that Jesus rose again and before he went back to heaven. And so he hung out with people, he instructed them a little bit, and then right at the end of, uh, uh, right in the beginning of Acts, Acts chapter one, he's about ready to go back to heaven or ascend into heaven. And that's where the Bible says over 500 people watched him do that. And so he's getting ready to go back to heaven and be with his father. And he's talking to these people and he's giving them some instructions. And he's like, guys, a few things are gonna happen. First of all, the Holy Spirit's gonna show up. And you guys don't ex- understand all that yet. But hang out in Jerusalem. Like, you'll know it when he's here. It's only two chapters away. And, like, you're going to, you know, the Holy Spirit is going to show up. So hang out and wait for that. And he says this He says, when the Holy Spirit shows up, he's going to give you authority and power to do what? He's going to give you authority and power to do this, to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the rest of the world. So you're gonna you're gonna have the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'm gonna create the church, Acts chapter three, and then and then and then you're gonna go. What I want you to do is I want you to go and be my witnesses. Now this word witness is a really important word, and it's tied to evangelism. So he doesn't say apologi- apologist. He doesn't say. Politicist. He doesn't say publicist. He doesn't say win the argument. He doesn't say, you know, be a, be a social media influencer. He says, be a witness, right? Now, what's a witness? I was actually listening to a, a message that uh, Josiah gave at Collective and he defined it really, really well. He said this, he said, a witness, you can only be a witness to what you have experienced, so if I haven't personally experienced it, I can't witness it, see? Uh, people sometimes will go exercise, and they'll, they'll, they'll work out, and they say that once you work out for a while, your endorphins kick in, and if you're a runner, you get like a runner's high and you feel a lot better. I have never witnessed that. I, I, have, I have zero idea what that means. I've had a sugar high, I've had a caffeine high. I've never had a runner's high. I don't even know if that's godly or not. It's the word highs involved. Like, I don't know, right? I've never personally experienced it. What Jesus said, catch this. He said, what I want you to do, filled with the Holy Spirit, is I want you to go publicly and unambiguously Tell people about the redemption and the salvation you experienced. Be the witness to it. Tell your story. He doesn't even say, "Tell my story." He, he doesn't. He doesn't say, "Go out and just read the Bible randomly publicly." He doesn't say that. He's like, you go tell your story. And when you tell your story, but you do it publicly, it, it's not, ah, oh, Jesus changed my life, and I, you know, I just don't want to say much because it's kind of a thing. No. Publicly, unambiguously. He doesn't say, yeah, I'm just a nice guy. I kind of wear a cross, and I keep a Bible on my car. and He would say, no, do the, Timothy... Do the work of an evangelist, which is what? Telling your story. Okay? Here's, a, here's the thing. To who? Everybody. So I got to yell at people football games? Please do not do that, right? And if you do, tell them you go to a different church. Like, like, don't, don't do that, right? To who? Ready? To whoever Christ intersects your life with. Well, how do I know if Jesus is intersecting my life with somebody? you got to remain in him. See, the, the, the more connected you are to Christ, through his word, through his spirit, you'll see what he sees. You'll love what he loves. You'll understand the opportunity that he understands. That's his job. My job is to be a witness. My job is to give a reason for the hope that's within me when asked. That's it. And as I walk with Christ, I will start to see the world differently. Right now, we see each other outside of Christ. People see each other from a worldly point of view, the Apostle Paul says. I just, what do you do for me? You're my waitress, you're my... But in Christ, I see the world the way that God sees the world. That person has a soul. That person is hurting. That person is lost. That person is, they'll be condemned to eternity without Christ. I see the world differently. Not because I went on a mission and I'm gonna tell 50,000 people about Jesus by Tuesday but because I walked with God and I understood the doors that he opened and when he opened those doors, I publicly and unambiguously tell people what I have witnessed in my own life. When I think about evangelism, I think about the vine. And I want as much of the vine spiritual DNA flowing through me a branch as possible. And as I open my life and my heart and my eyes to Jesus, he will produce fruit through me. I cannot do that on my own. I must do that through my connection with him. So I would say this, when you think about being a witness and you think about evangelism, I would think in these ways. I would start with humility instead of strategy. I wouldn't start with like, I don't know, how are we gonna tell all the neighbors? I wouldn't start there. I would start with humility. How can I love you? How can I empathize with you? Oh man, I remember I remember when I went I went through something similar. I hurt with you. I remember when I was overwhelmed. Can can we come and help at the house? Uh, yeah, I oh, mean, I remember I remember when when I remember when my pet died, how that actually made me super sad. I'm gonna care about something you care about. And Jesus showed up when your pet died? Yeah, because I my I was sad. See? And and I, should, I remember when I got cut from the varsity team. Jesus cares if you got cut from the varsity team. He cares about you and you care that you got cut from the varsity team. See, I would start with humility instead of strategy. I, I, would, I would look to, to make connections instead of conversions. Well, you, you know what you need to believe and you know what you need to believe. You know what you need to believe. I wouldn't start there. You're going to hell. I want nachos. I wouldn't start there. See? I would start with a connection. My connection to Christ. Jesus, who could you let me be a witness to today? Would, would you let me be a witness to somebody today? And you ask that prayer, whatever you ask in his name, he'll give you. Jesus, is, can I? can you allow me to make a friend or somebody that I can serve today so that I can I can be a witness of what you've done in my life. You pray that prayer, you are have friends lined up out the door. See, I would start with a connection instead of conversion. And then here's the big one. I would turn to prayer. I would turn to prayer. Prayer, I said it this way, spiritual destinations are only found by following spiritual paths and you cannot produce fruit. I can't produce fruit. God has to do that in me, through me, for me. I can position myself in a place that God can produce fruit in me, but I can't save anybody. I can't change anybody's heart. I can't change anybody's mind. I can bear witness. I can love you, But God has to do the work few years ago we laid out this idea of praying for your three and this is kind of grace church's way right and one of the things i think is important right now is this we've lived in a time this last year and a half where probably it was necessary to focus in in our lives and even as a church worlds in crisis You gotta make sure your family's okay, right? I think that's correct. You gotta make sure like I have a job, you gotta make sure. And I think one of the things that's as important is that as our whole world has changed, as we've done ten years of change in ten months, and everybody's in culture shock and everything is disrupted people need to know about the redemption and the salvation of Jesus Christ. And who's gonna tell them? The people who can bear witness of what Christ has done in our lives. So a few years ago, we implemented this thing called pray for your three. Pray for people, three people by name every day that God would give you a no-brainer moment that you could share the reason for the hope that's within you, that you could bear witness. And three years ago, I had bracelets made. I had new ones made for you. The reasons we have these bracelets made, honestly, is because I hate these bracelets with a passion. Uh, I don't wear a watch, I don't wear jewelry. These things get snagged, they get hung up. I always have to take them off when I take a shower or if I forget, now they're wet, my arm feels like for a while, I hate these things. So I was like, what do I hate that always drives me nuts? And I was like, well, I can't bring the whole Michigan team down so we could get these bracelets. And the point of these bracelets is to Bother or to be in the way or to notice. And so, what we did, and we've done this a few times now, is we've taken these bracelets, we turned them inside out, we got a Sharpie, there's a bunch in the lobby, there's a bunch on the patio, and we wrote the first name of three people on them. And I said, every time this bracelet bugs you, pray for that person by name that God would give you a no-brainer moment, not a strategy. Right? Not a conversion a moment that you could tell them of what Christ has done in your life. And we did that through all in all out. So when we did all in all out, there's artwork is back in the exit hallway now because of construction, but we we wrote down on the back of that artwork three people there's 7000 people being prayed for every day by name that God will give us an overbrainer moment to share the reason for the hope that's within us right so i'd i I'd put your bracelet on i'd take put an anchor bracelet on put two on make them into earrings i don't care what you do but i would pray long before I'd read a book on evangelism, long before I'd figure out a method, I'd just ask God, the vine, to do a work through me, the branch, to produce what brings him glory, the fruit, okay? Why is it important to God? It's his nature, it's his passion, it's the mission, right? And if what's important to God is important to us, evangelism—it's right, a thing, okay? All right, band's going to come out and settle in. As they do that, I want to—I want to talk to three different people real quick, okay? Three different people. Person number one, if you've grown up in church and you know the Bible super well, and uh, you think of yourself as like spiritually mature and grounded, I wanna say this to you, I love you, I wanna say this to you. If you do not have a love for lost people, you are not in sync with the heart of God. And if you do not love lost people, then you are not mature, you are not grounded, And you are not walking in sync with the Lord. You cannot separate those two things. So I want to challenge you to pray for your three, to to publicly and unambiguously proclaim the truth of Jesus. That is what a Christ follower does. Second person. If you've been embarrassed by evangelism, and when you hear it, you're like, I don't want to do that. Um, that's probably the chair I sit in the most. I'm like, please, please don't do what you're about ready to do. Oh, they did it, you know, it's like, ah, right. Do not let other people's sometimes feeble attempts Sometimes sincere attempts and sometimes tainted attempts dictate your responsiveness to Christ. I'm embarrassed too when evangelism gets mixed up with politics. I I do not like that. On either side of the aisle. If you love Jesus, you would vote this way. If you love Jesus, you would do these things. Nope. I'm embarrassed when somebody yells, I don't like... A lot. I don't like hardly any of that stuff some of that is very sincere I don't want to be mean but that cannot be our ticket out of loving somebody and when you pray for your three and you're public and you're unambiguous and your friend knows you love them they're not thinking about that either you find your courage, and you find your directive from Christ, right? And and we, we do what Christ asks us to do. And I, and I would say this, you be you, boo. <laughs> like, if, if, if like, Jeff, I don't like to stand up and speak. I don't know, I don't even know how you do that. I'm like, then don't. I don't wanna go door to door. I, I, I don't either. So there, we should make a team. Like, I, I don't wanna do that either. You be you. You can evangelize through. That song we sang, Always More, that is the gospel presented from beginning to end. And I know the guys who wrote it, right? And that's what they set out to do. It can be music. It can be art. It can be you serving someone, but it's public, it's unambiguous, and you're bearing witness, right? Right? Third person. Some of you here and some of you watching online, you're looking and saying, you're not a Christ follower yet. And you're looking and you're saying, so you want me to quit believing what I believe and start believing what you believe, is that what you're saying? And I'm looking at you and I am honestly and sincerely telling you, yes, that is exactly what I'm saying. I want you to know Christ. And I want you to experience what I've experienced because I don't know your story but I know mine and I know when I was an insecure, anxious nervous fearful broken abused, neglected and living life that was a reaction to all of that I know when I gave my life to Christ it changed me And that broken puzzle came together. That's what I know. And I absolutely want that for you. One million percent. And that's, that's what God wants. You saying Jesus is the only way? I am saying Jesus is the only way because that's what he said, unambiguous. And are you saying I'm gonna go to hell if I don't accept Jesus? I am saying that, yes. I fear for your soul and how unloving would it be of me to have that fear and never tell you I'm not going to quit being your friend if you don't agree with me, but if I actually believe that, and for me to love you, I have to say that, right? I'm just being honest. So if you don't know Christ, I want you to know Christ. If you're embarrassed, me too. If you don't care, I can't find that. I can't find room for that in the scripture, right? This is important to God. That's why it's important to us, okay? All right, Jesus, would you help us with this? We want your heart, we want your mind. We want to do that remain thing. We We want to be tethered and intertwined with you And God, as we do that, you living through us, Lord, you can break through our feeble attempts. You can break through bad attempts. You can even break through attempts that are nefarious. You're greater than all of it. And then there's just something about God, the joy that we get of telling our stories, of seeing lives changed. <clears throat> there's, some, there's a reason we cheer when people get baptized because those of us who know you know what that means. And so because of your love and through our frailties, God, we wanna serve you and we wanna give ourselves to you in this way. In these moments, would you press in to these nuances of our lives, Jesus, in your name.